So I'm curious as to why you went and saw Straight Outta Compton instead of Guy Ritchie's The Man From U.N.C.L.E. Well, peer pressure, one. Two, it was half price on Tuesdays. And yeah, Straight Outta Compton was an amazing movie. Well, hold on for a second. I want to know, Matthew, knowing how frugal you are, <laughs> have you ever gone to the movies not on a Tuesday? Yes, I actually went on a Friday uh, two weeks ago. Okay. Just see Trainwreck. Uh, okay, you saw Trainwreck? Yeah. All right, how is Trainwreck then? Uh, it, was pr- Com- it was pretty good, actually. Comedy of the summer? Not of the summer, no. Um, but I thought it was very good. Is it... Uh, I guess it's a bit of a rom-com, right? Yeah, it is a rom-com. So is it difficult to compare that to... Like the Seth Rogen movies, like Super Bad and Pineapple Express. Yeah, somewhat. It's a little bit. I thought you were going to say it's, it's really difficult when you go with your boyfriend. Uh, well, <laughs> no. no, I'm trying to think of what the last rom com. What's the last rom com you saw? I can't think of anything besides Trainwreck. I have no idea. I can like tell the you. Proposal. Ryan Reynolds. My my sisters. My my mom were obsessed with the proposal. I've never which seen I that. I think is like Sandra Bullock. Oh, Ryan okay. Reynolds. I know that movie. Never seen it, but yeah. I know what you're talking about. And I swear, like, I've, I've, uh, well, this is going to sound like I'm just making excuses, but, like, through them, I swear I've seen that movie, like, four times. Through them, Colin, you can get up and yeah, leave, you know? <laughs> yeah, I said, yeah, no. Like, once I start something and I, like, get a little, little into it, I've got to finish the whole thing. That's why it takes me, like, an hour and a half to pick a movie when I want to watch one at night. Uh, okay, okay. Makes sense. Speak, speaking of which, you have to watch The Royal Tenenbaums. Real t- oh, that's true. Yeah, I've fallen asleep watching it a couple of times. It's been a little too long. I don't know if I've recommended it on here No, yet. I you haven't. Like I, I don't think you have. Okay, I thought I might have, but if you do not... I think it's been a year, year and a half since I recommended that to you. Yeah. I tried, that I tried watching it twice, but I try and watch it usually on a Friday night at 2 a.m., and so I fall asleep 10 minutes in. Yeah, why do you always wait so long to watch movies? I don't know. I just got. You just try to. You should just try to crush it tonight. I gotta get in the mood for it. <laughs> I'm just picturing you like putting on candles, <laughs> putting on some Ina's only time, like just getting into the mood. Oh, this the song. The, who can't? <laughs> yeah. Who can't say where goes? Yeah, something along those lines. You know, remember that ice bucket challenge? Yeah. So that was. The song playing. Did you ever? Did you ever see my oh, yeah. ice bucket challenge? Oh, yeah. The ALS ice bucket challenge. Yeah. So, for those that didn't see it then, I guess, uh, we had my roommate Spinner outside of the bathroom, and then me in the bathroom, in the tub, uh, <laughs> taking a bath with uh, candles and Ina's only time playing in the background, and then he busted in and just dumped this bucket of ice water on my head, uh, completely soaked the tub, but good, it was pretty, I thought it was pretty funny at the time. I thought it was a good one, yeah. You didn't, you didn't do one, eh? Ice Bucket Challenge? No. I did a neck nomination with, uh, with Evan Briand. Probably the, yeah, a classic one. Yeah, just probably shouldn't talk about yeah, it. This is a family. A, <laughs> this is a family environment. That's true. Let's not talk about the neck nomination. Okay. Yeah. So you would. So you would drink for charity, like you drink for no reason, but you wouldn't pour ice for charity. Yeah. Well, no one nominated me, man. I definitely nominated. No, you did not. I think you told me not to. Why are you trying to embarrass me in front of our? I'm gonna. Sorry. Yeah, you're fans. right. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> so straight out of Compton, you liked it? Yeah, it was very good. Is it worth, well, I think it doubled its budget first weekend. Is it really that good? I thought it was very good. Yeah, I'm not a big biopic guy, but I thought it was amazing. So all of the, so the main members of NWA, so like Dr. Dre, Ice Cube, uh, Easy U, their sons, all played yeah. them in the movie. And I thought they did a very good job, especially Ice Cube. So Ice Cube's son looks like Okay, all their image. sons, all their sons played them in the movie. Yeah. Then why did I see this weird article saying like, 
there was a two-year audition process for Ice Cube's son. I don't for the role of Ice Cube. If they all all their sons played it, I don't, I want to double check that. Yeah, but I anyways, hear about that. Okay, it was just in the title of the article. Jeez, like uh, exactly whatever his like name him. is. Yeah, he does. And his does. Uh, his performance was great. I thought I thought he did the best out of, out of everyone there. Were they given a lot to work with, though? Was it a very emotional movie? Or oh, yeah, definitely, because like... within the story, like, I, I wasn't really raised on NWA. I was more raised on, uh, uh, like, the hip-hop, and, like, later in the 90s, in the middle 90s. But, yeah. but like, you know, like people like Snoop Dogg, uh, Busta Rhymes, people like that. I was DMX, those that came later. That, those are the people I was raised on. Uh, yeah. Not really much NWA for me, so I didn't know the whole story of what was going on, but at, I knew I knew what was going on most most of the time, and yeah, lots of emotion, lots of twists and turns, lots of feuds within the within the group and everything, and it was right during the uh, the Rodney King riots and everything like that. So lots of emotions to work with. Okay, so it wasn't entourage. No, no, not like... at all, not at all. Well, okay, oh, okay, of course, okay, yeah, when they were for definitely, but it was it was. Uh, there was something actually propelling the go. plot forward. <laughs> yeah. There's like actual turmoil. Yeah. Um, not okay. Yeah. But no, I'm imagining there's no deep moral lessons that you learn from Straight Outta Compton. Well, actually, there? yes, there were. I don't want to give anything away, but yeah, just in, just in terms of str- okay. struggle of the uh, of the Los Angeles during the, the late okay. '80s, early '90s. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. I, I don't. I know. Uh, I'm asking not because I'm being you know pre-critical of it, <laughs> just that I don't know anything about it at oh, all. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, it was not on my radar. A very good movie. I really so. liked it. I'll have to check that out. I saw The Man from Uncle. And how was that? Uh, super fun movie. Super fun. That super fun movie in England. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was good. It was really good. Really entertaining. Uh, it was a lot. It was really fun. I don't think the audience I saw it with knew what to expect. <laughs> so they st- really struggle with the jokes. Uh, really struggle with the jokes. Like British humor. I'm not like a big laugh out loud guy. Uh, on occasion, I'll kind of die laughing, like when someone was making fun of your um, the best of Sean Paul recommendation the other day. <laughs> I was making fun I of was that. crying laughing. Uh, Give me a name. I'll uh, keep that. In you're mind. not gonna. No, you're not gonna do anything. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, his friend from work. Okay. Never mind. He lis- He listens pretty regularly. Okay. So he's a nice guy. Anyways. Uh, Basically, it seemed like every time there was a... Like, I'm not a big laugh out loud guy, as I was mentioning. And, like, so when there was these great jokes, like, I kind of, like, smiled at myself. But the rest of the audience, it was kind of like... It seemed like it was dying to. Because I don't know if they were all doing the same thing I was doing, which was just, like, taking the joke in and smiling about it. But there was this one lady at the back that would just be like, Ha! Like, every time the the joke ran down. And then it was kind of more like a joke that she was doing that. (laughs) That's but it was it was good. Like the plot was, it, it seemed less interested in an action, like putting the actual plot together, yeah. than it was the turmoil and relationship between characters and them playing off each other, mm-hmm. which was super fun. Uh, Henry Cavill was not really given much with the Superman yeah. Man of Steel movie. He was kind of standing there brooding, and I imagine in the, um, imagine in the sequel, Batman versus Superman, that it'll be much of the same. Yep. Him just kind of standing around brooding. Uh, that's Superman. You're a little muffled there, eh, Matt? I am sorry. D- uh, there we is go. that better? Yeah, it's much better. Right. Thank you. <laughs> uh, were you hiding under the covers again? I'm not hiding under the covers. You totally are. Oh, at least you're not up in your living room, so I have to listen to the telephone this time. Yeah, that's true, yeah. Uh, but Oops. yeah, like Henry Cavill seemed to, he really filled that role. He did it really well. Yeah, it was great. I really recommend it, Matt. So next, uh, next Tuesday, tomorrow, 
Huh. So I hope I'm not doing anything. Check it out. <laughs> yeah, you might as well. No, it was good. Um, really glamorous. It was really going for like the visual mm-hmm. aesthetic. A lot of different colors. A lot of different uh, kind of playing off the times and glamorous yeah. and rich and. It's a sixties. It's a sixties theme movie, right? Uh, I don't know if it was specifically the sixties because I can't really place it, okay. but it seemed to be around that time. Yeah, I'd say like sixties, seventies. Not bad. But it, well, it would have been just post. It was whenever it was after the Berlin Wall went up. Um, so yeah, like probably the late fifties to mid sixties ish. No, it was good. So yeah, but we together, not together, but at the same time, checked uh, checked out Tottenham versus Leicester City, yeah. not Leicester City, right? Yeah, Leicester. And uh, that was an interesting game. It was it was a big game for Tottenham. Uh, they hadn't picked up any points yet in the Premier League, and they were looking to get off to. They're a team with a lot of talent, wouldn't you agree, Matt? Oh, definitely. On paper, on paper, yes. <laughs> but they haven't been able to produce so far this season. Uh, and they're taking on a Leicester City team, who traditionally you would think of as being a mid-table or worse team. Yeah, got uh, promoted quite recently. And there were, in the last 10 Premier League games, or last 11, 9-1-1. One, one. Yeah, which is pretty uh, crazy. Which is insane for a team that doesn't really have you know the big names on it. Could you name one player off Leicester going in? Going in? Yeah. Just Mares. Yeah, they're one big player. That's about it. And Kasper Schmeichel, their their keeper, uh, Peter Schmeichel's son. I knew Mark Albright. Albrighton? Yeah. So in FIFA 14, he's Mark Albright. Really? But they were calling him Albrighton during the game. That's very funny. So there's a mix up there. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) what did you think of uh, of the game, Matt? Uh, I really liked the game. Very entertaining. Um, Not one that everyone probably thought would be as entertaining as it was. um, Because people just looking at the two names and and thinking of history, you'd figure Tottenham would be be a game where Tottenham walks all over them. But uh, it was the complete opposite. Uh, Well, for a while, Leicester really controlled, uh, controlled the game in terms of possession and passing and chances throughout the game. Uh, Tottenham went and scored the first goal in the, uh, with about eight minutes to go. And then literally after the, the replay was, uh, was replayed, uh, Leicester took it down the right wing and Mario scored just yeah. to equalize it. It was a, it was an exceptional game. There was a lot of, it really looked to me like Leicester was dominating throughout the game. Tottenham would have sparks, but Harry Kane up front really didn't get involved for most of it. No. Uh, I don't know if you'd agree that he, I think he had a pretty poor performance. I think so too. I think they were trying too much to give the ball to him and, Getting it to him was sometimes were in dangerous situations, which he can do anything with the ball and would lose it. It's not really, it wasn't necessarily his fault, I thought, uh, for the game. It was just the team around him. They were just too focused on giving him the ball and, and leaving him, letting him be and letting him do his thing. But Yeah, he wasn't getting a lot of support, but at the same time, he is a player that scored 31 goals last year in the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, he hadn't scored yet this year. He hadn't really provided a spark for his team, which was trailing. Yep. Uh, it kind of it kind of felt like he was forcing things at times. Yeah. Uh, when he did get the ball, he was not looking to pass it. Uh, that's right. He yeah. was basically firing it on net. But when he did look to pass, that's where the goal came from. That's true. Uh, basically a cross. I think he played it out to the wing. Cross comes in. Uh, he goes for the ball. Defender comes to take him. It kind of flies through, yeah. and then Ali yeah. finishes it off. Uh, it, it was a is an up and down performance for Tottenham overall. It was, yeah. And it was kind of, uh, you know, simplified. The entirety of the game was simplified in that 90-second difference mm-hmm. between Tottenham going ahead and then them giving up, uh, well, what was a spectacular go- goal from, uh, is it Mares? Yeah. From Mares, yeah. Coming on off the wing there. Yeah, who, and I think he's now a leading scorer in the Premier League for the four. Yeah, six goals in six games. Yeah, that's pretty insane. 
And it's not a name that most people that nope. uh, you know casually watch the game, even those that are probably avidly into the game, yeah. uh, would have even known know. going yeah. into the season. It, it really seemed like the wingers for Tottenham, uh, Albright and Mara, or wingers for Leicester, sorry, uh, Albright and Mares were really the difference makers. Uh, Albright had a spectacular game early on. I thought he, that he was the man of the match until Mares scored. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not sure on Tottenham besides Musa and Dembele, yeah. who really had a spark for uh, for Tottenham there. Not really. Even like the keeper, even uh, Lorius is looking a little shaky at times. Is coming out of his net and looking a little too careless as well. Yeah, yeah. And you know, to be fair, if it wasn't for Loris's stomach, <laughs> uh, this would have been a, a two one win. For yeah, Leicester. exactly. That big uh, save. Was it a free ball or was it a corner? It was. Uh, it was a corner. It was a corner. A comes in point blank and save. Then, yeah. Point blank save, and he—I don't think he even saw it. No, it just so it happened that the him. header went right at his stomach. Yeah, yeah. it was very lucky. That it was uh, a couple inches away. That was in, that was in. I, I think you agree with me that Leicester really deserved the win. There. I think so. Yeah, it's just what Tottenham saved them was the fact that they were very good in the air and they were very good in both boxes. So I noticed yeah. on corner kicks that they had and set plays. <clears throat> sorry, they would usually get their head on the ball and do so, but just couldn't get it on net or couldn't get to the person they wanted to get it to. And same, yeah. defending in their own box, they were very good at getting the ball out of their own box. Leicester controlled the wings. The uh, the fullbacks, as well as the wingers, were controlling mm-hmm. going up and down. Uh, Kyle Walker looked absolutely terrible for uh, for uh, Tottenham. He was, yeah. he was England's number one right back right now and did not look like it at all. It's too bad for Kyle Walker because he has commented that this is a make-or-break year for him. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, and he's been training a lot in the offseason. It was a pretty poor performance very, from very the poor, right back. Yeah, very poor performance, even though he announces no to that as well and really giving it to him. Tottenham really uh, lacked a lot of imagination in the first half, yeah. uh, facing off against the Leicester team that puts a lot of emphasis on defense. As the commentators pointed out in the game, they have the least amount of passes completed in the Premier League. Yep. Uh, but they are scoring at a pretty great rate, and that is a result of them basically countering. Yeah, and it good, seemed yeah. like Tottenham was more worried about Leicester's countering abilities than they were actually moving forward and getting to the ball in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, case in point being that, and I'm going to mispronounce his name, is it Vertonghen? Yeah, Vertonghen. In the second half, when it didn't, didn't look like the Tottenham was moving the ball around very well, he actually came flying through uh, and was basically the lead attacker for a moment there. Uh, taking the through ball and then putting it in on net. And when you're lacking, cre- you know, the last thing you want to see it's as a, a team back. is when you have as much money invested in your front uh, your front six, yeah. and then you have your center back, your 30-something-year-old center back, uh, come flying up the middle to try to start an attack. Yeah, it's pretty not, yeah, not pretty at all. <laughs> what do you think, what, is this, what does this game mean for, so obviously it finishes in a 1-1 draw. Yeah. Uh, Leicester, it kind of takes a bit of the... Um, Takes a little bit of gleam off their nice start. Yeah, uh, I think that was the big. Fir- that was the first big team they played in the big That's oh, true. The Premier League. What is it like the big six? Yeah, it's a big, uh, big five or six right now. I'd say yeah. And so, what do you think that? Uh, I mean, what do you think this game means for Leicester moving forward, and what do you think this game means for Tottenham? So Leicester and Tottenham are both on polar opposites in the table right now. So Leicester's sitting up in second right now. So they have three games. They've got two wins and a draw, which is great. Uh, still undefeated. Meanwhile, Spurs have only managed to get two points of three games. So it's looking a little worse on them, I find. It's a lot of teams improved over the offseason, and Tottenham is not one of them. They've, they're, they've still stayed the same, practically. Yeah. And uh, they've actually like gotten worse. <laughs> yeah, you know what? You can go as much as far as to say that. Yeah, you, you, can, you can say that. Based on these three performances, I could say that they've gotten a little worse. There's just a lack of... Uh, 
Yeah, lack of finishing ability. Too much, too much trust in Harry Kane, I find. Yeah, there is a certain kind of deference to him uh, up at the front, and they have a lot of talent in other areas. It's, it seems oh, kind of do. frustrating yeah. to watch this Tottenham team. Like before the season, if you asked me who my sleeper team to win the Premier League would be, uh, you know, usually it's the same teams year in and year out. But if I was to pick a sleeper, it would be Tottenham yeah. going into the season. Yeah, just on paper, they have so much talent. Yeah. So much talent, and they, you know, they've had exceptional attacking talent, yeah. which is what they've been lacking the last couple of games. And now that they've got I'll be it. it I'll, yeah. I'll be it against Stoke. Uh, you know, they lost. They, I don't know if they, I don't remember if they drew or they lost in that one. But I basically walked into the room and saw them give up those two goals back to back to Stoke. Yeah, and it's a lack of kind of ment. Uh, it's a lack of mental toughness mm-hmm. that when you're scoring goals. And you're giving goals up so quickly afterwards, or giving goals up back to back. And it seems to be that the struggles of Tottenham are mostly in their head. Confidence wise, in terms of when they're attacking against a team like Leicester, that is such a, is so potent going the other way. Uh, but also in terms of, you know, we've got a lead here, let's hold it. Or, okay, we've gotten scored on, let's regroup and let's continue to play our game that's been so successful so far. But it also looked like a lack of effort, uh, against Leicester. They were, getting dominated for most of that game wouldn't you say Matt? i think so they were definitely dominated like i said in the wings especially mares and uh brighton were really tearing uh tearing up the uh, the defenders just turning them left and right making them look stupid lots of the players like uh, eric lamella for example was not looking very good like even when the when those left backs and right backs are making your wingers look bad that's not that's not something good i also think that very first game against man united really hurt them where it was a stalemate practically until kyle walker put it into his own net so right. they've been very, very unfortunate in terms of conceding goals at bad times. So, you know, given that they just played a team that had the least passes in the Premier League but still managed to uh, put up a lot of passes against Tottenham, I would say, given how much they possessed the ball and were moving it around yeah. and were able to set up an offense, which typically they aren't able to do. Where, I mean, after a performance like that where they're getting, you know, kind of pushed out of their own roles... Uh, and their offensive talent isn't actually performing very well. What do you see the outcome for Tottenham being? Uh, do you think they can get out of this early season slump? Well, it's I find it's okay to have it's good to have a slump very uh, early compared to when you're in the middle of a winning streak. Rather, um, I think that's what hit them last year. It's what hits uh, you know, what likes to hit Chelsea around Christmas time is going in strong and then just a series of just bad performances, bad performances. But that's how you learn. That's how you bounce back. That's why you see so many teams come in strong after setbacks. Um, I think it's going to be good for a team like Tottenham right now. So they 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 know what they know what's missing. I'm sure they can. They've seen. They've gone over tapes and listened to plenty of podcasts like this. The individual players. Yeah. So they know what they're missing. They know what they got to do. And it's good to have this up early in the season so you can put it aside. And no team wins the Premier League without a loss or a draw here and there. So, given that we're talking about slumps, uh, Chelsea had a little (laughs) bit of slump off the beginning of the year, but they seem to have turned it around, especially with the acquisition of Pedro. Yeah. Uh, Still struggling with red cards Uh, a little bit. That red card, uh, I don't... We'll skip that conversation for now. That was not a red card. Uh, (laughs) But I I do want to talk a little bit about Pedro. Sure. uh, And what you think he brings to the Chelsea team. So, Pedro... Natural left uh, left winger, I believe, um, but can also play on the right. He very good player at Barcelona, and I found that the right wing position is the one position that Chelsea really lacked. Uh, the position that William plays. I know we've had some choice words about William the past uh, year uh, season. Yeah, um, and I think Pedro is a very good replacement for uh, for William. Uh, just another attacking force, create much more creative 
than uh, than William. Uh, Pedro's a guy who's played with Leo Messi for a good deal of his career. Played with some very very talented players. Played with Cesc Fabregas before the national team as well as for Barcelona. So there's going to be a little more familiarity going uh, going on there and lots more creativity to work with. Um, exactly. For example, Diego Costa, another Spanish forward up there. So like they're going to they're going to know each other's games. They're going to play off each other quite well. I hope. And there's going to add that little bit of creativity that was that's been lacking. And it's going to make Eden Hazard step up a little bit, I hope, and uh, maybe throw some extra. It's uh, uh, the word I'm looking for. So throw some more fun in the game. A little less. Not. Uh, it's not going to be so boring for Chelsea. Well, parking the bus. Oh, been parking the parking the bus for years. Hopefully, now. parking the bus at the other net this time. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So you do mention that you felt there's some creativity lacking yeah. in the Chelsea sides. So given that, do you really feel like this? I'm wondering if this move was really necessary. Uh, was this a reaction to the early season performances of Manchester City? Was it a reaction to Man United you know, going after a striker, a way of cutting off that potential up-and-coming team? What do you think, uh, what do you think spurred this by Chelsea? And is it really necessary? Um, I think what spurred this is the fact that, like we said at Tottenham, a lot of teams got strong on the offseason. Man City got strong. Liverpool, Man United, uh, Arsenal even, all got stronger over the offseason. Chelsea didn't was not that busy in the transfer in terms of taking in players. Um, so you could, as one could say, they stayed the same. They didn't get any better. Right. Uh, meanwhile, the other their biggest, strongest opponents did get better, which is why I think Man City is really... Showed their showed their worth. These first three games are the only uh, team with uh, three wins so far in three games. Yeah. Um, so I think it was necessary. And after you're getting you're getting beat three uh, nil to your closest, uh, you know, probably your biggest competition. That definitely a trigger that you're gonna have to do something. Is it worth the twenty twenty five million euros that Chelsea paid? Um, I, I know that his bio clause was about twenty one point two. A uh, million euros, but I s- thought I saw that Chelsea had just like gone out and paid way more than that for it. I'm not sure the exact number, but yeah. they did pay out a, a significant amount for a guy who is 27 years old. Yeah, uh, and uh, behind you know Suarez, Messi, and Neymar last year. Neymar we'll get to in a minute, but he, you know he didn't get a lot of time, I would say, nor made a lot of impact on a team with that much strike talent. So I'm wondering if you feel that the price that Chelsea paid. Uh, you know, to get all this, the benefits that you're talking about and be active in the market and perhaps improve slightly, uh, is that worth the amount of money that they spent on it? Um, or does it all matter because Roman Abramovich can spend whatever he wants? Well, that too, but let alone the fact that he played behind the three of them. He still did play with them at one point and has won Champions Leagues with them and League of Trophies with them. He knows what it takes to be a winner. He's a creative guy. I've, I've seen him play plenty of times. He's very, very good. Of course, Luis Suarez is a very special talent, and I'd give him... Uh, that position over Pedro any day, but it does not mean that Pedro is not good. As we saw, twenty and uh, sorry, in thirty minutes he scored a goal and assisted Diego Costa's goal. So, or Espiriqueta, sorry. So we know he's special. He's got talent. It's just that, say Chelsea won this game three 0 which they didn't. Yeah. They lost. Uh, sorry, they uh, conceded two uh, silly goals. Um, I think this conversation would go a little differently. Um, but I'd, st- I'd still, you'd, you'd, no, you'd I'd still, still be curious it's a long, it. it's a long season. Yeah. It's a long season. And 
I think that the reason I bring this up and the reason I talk about what he's worth is because he is old by soccer standards. <laughs> he's not really a guy that's going to grow into his role. Yeah. And it's a different kind of mentality that perhaps has been employed elsewhere where you're looking at, you know, bringing in young talent to kind of develop. Mm-hmm. Like when they were looking at, I think it's, his name's John Stokes. Yeah. Early in the year. He's kind of a young guy that can come in and grow into the role and be the John Terry for the next decade or so. Whereas you look at a guy like Pedro, it's kind of, you know what you're getting and it's diminishing from there. And to pay the kind of prices they were paying, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, that's the reason why I was curious, not because of their law lo- or their, you know, poor performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're lost to Man City. Mm-hmm. Well, I think Mourinho wants to set up a, a dynasty with Chelsea. He wants to be here for the rest of his career, as well as Roman Vranovich wants to do the same thing. And I think they want results now. When you went, right. when you win a Premier League right off the bat like that, you don't want to go any lower. You want to keep uh, competing like that. And Chelsea is sitting in the uh, bottom half right now of the table. They're sitting 10th or 11th. I can't remember. But yeah, they're right in the middle of the pack. Meanwhile, their biggest rivals are all taking the top five spots right now. So yeah. there's something that needs to be done. Even though it's three games in, you're still the worst of the top teams right now. You need to figure yeah. something out. And when you're getting beaten that badly by Man City, who, you know, looked good in the first half, didn't look that good in the second half, and you're just lots of little missing puzzle pieces, you're going to want to solve it as quickly as possible. Yeah, understood. Mm-hmm. Understood. Just when I talk, you know, we talked a lot about wanting to set up a dynasty, and I think we've spent, you know, we've talked at length about Chelsea and what we feel, you know, what we think is going to happen with them this season, yeah. and how, what their outlook is. Uh, it's just when I'm setting up a dynasty, I'd rather have get some young players that can grow into a role, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that Pedro is young enough for that to be the case. Well, it's not like they don't have those players, though. True. Yeah. But they don't seem to want to rely want to on rely them, on them right? Them, yeah. And let them develop in the first team. Mm-hmm. It seems to be a lot of, what can we go out and, and get, get right, right now? now yeah, cause Let's they, go pay money for it. Because they want wins whereas, right now. Whereas when you're building a dynasty, you know, you want players... Well, I guess dynasties in professional sports in North America are a little different, different than those yeah. in... You know, in England, but I mean, you still would want to have players grow. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to fall back on Roman Lukaku. Like, they didn't give him an opportunity to grow. Uh, You look back at, you know, you look at Remy. They're not giving him an opportunity to grow. They're just going out and they're getting products Mm -hmm. that are available now and have, you know, an established track record, but (coughs) who you're paying a lot of money for for, you know, diminishing returns over the next couple of years. And it's a weird business model. Mm -hmm. It really is. Uh, from my perspective, anyways, I know that you feel differently about it, more or less. <laughs> uh, we'll 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 move away from Chelsea because yeah. I think we've we spent a lot of the last three weeks talking about we Chelsea. That was a that was a uh, rough so we'll live uh, live tweet uh, tweeting I was doing. Yeah, so like way fun. to pick way to pick it. Uh, you know, will you do it again? You'll do it again. Though, uh, right? We'll see. <laughs> You'll have to wait until they play like. Sunderland or something. Yeah, and they get they get a good nice six 0 win. Take advantage yeah. of that. Well, I mean, you can you can tweet you can live tweet other games besides Chelsea. It just means that you have to sit down and watch other games besides Chelsea. That's true. I could live tweet, I suppose, as well. Uh, maybe I'll live tweet football games. Yeah, you can do that. Yeah. But we'll get to that. Yeah, we can do that. I, we have to. We have to talk we get about stuff we got to uh, talk about. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're training and training in the football in the American football world. You're gonna think everyone. You're gonna tell you when I'm going to the draft combine or something like that. No. Yeah. yeah no. I wish I'll put I'll put you through like a, a virtual a virtual uh, virtual combine, right. which will just be you reading Bleacher Report. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the other team that we talk a lot about uh, over and over again is Man United, but I do want to talk about two players in particular: one that's on Man United, one that's not yet, and mm-hmm. Neymar being the first one. Uh, how realistic do you? I mean, we we've had Arsene Wenger talk a lot about how he thinks that the he's lamenting the lack of strikers on the transfer market. 
do you think that this Neymar rumor is just a product of there not being a lot of names out there that are available? I think so, because I can't think of any reason to bring Neymar to the Premier League. I don't think he'd be, I don't think he'd fit in well at all. I had the same thought. Yeah. I think, because like, say, look at Cristiano Ronaldo and Nani, for example. Ronaldo was a supreme talent. He could score, like, just his sheer talent was great. Neymar is known for his ball skills and his diving. Um, the second you throw him onto the Premier League pitch, of course he's gonna make, he's gonna score some goals. He's gonna have some flashy moments. But if you're getting physical with him and you're breaking him down, he's not. He doesn't have the speed and the pace. Say it's like an Eden Hazard. Eden Hazard gets bullied around too, but he's got the speed and the pace. He's got the finishing, and he's got a very low center of gravity and moves well. Neymar though just relies on his footwork. He doesn't rely on his balance and. Uh, and, and anything else much than that than his skills to be honest yeah. with you he's a he's a highlight reel uh when you look at him on youtube but you know get physical with this guy i don't see him doing much you go back to the uh the world cup when he took that knee in the back and he was telling people that he was nearly paralyzed yeah i mean he'll take knees in the back like that in the premier league every week that's true yeah and, and he also seems to lack the mental fortitude he does uh, if you look at you know some of the rumors about his lavish spending, uh, what he spends versus what he earns, mm-hmm. uh, which is uh, an interesting read if you want to go look that up. Yeah. Uh, that kind of says to me that he's lacking a bit of mental fortitude and focus that you would need in the Premier League, yeah. especially when you're going to be frustrated by your lack of ability to uh, have the space. Uh, and As well as fans to, shouting to, at you from to, 10 meters yeah, away. Yeah, to express your creativity. I think it would be a really... It really I think Neymar would be very frustrated very quickly in the Premier League. I completely agree. Beyond the fact that we don't think this is a good move, uh, we obviously can know... I mean, it's not hard for us to imagine why... I mean, look at Angel Di Maria, how that worked out for Man United. That's true. I mean, it didn't work out. He's gone now. They took a $20 million loss, apparently, on the transfer. Yep. See, But you understand the seeming... It seems like Man United, all they want to do is bring in new players right now. It's just over and over again, bring in new guys. Mm-hmm. They they don't want to rely on Wayne Rooney, so you can understand why they would go out and make this move for Neymar. But how realistic do you really think it is that Barcelona lets him go? Not very realistic, because then again, who are they going to replace on that left side as well? They don't really have anyone. They, they had, especially, especially since they just let Pedro go, go. Exactly, yeah. They don't have anything to replace that with. Um, they have a, a young guy, Christian Teo, but uh, he's no Neymar caliber at all. I don't think he'd be able to yeah. step up and do that. Yeah, he, he had one Champions League game the one year where he had a hat trick or something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, it was like he got subbed on and just went nuts in the last like twenty minutes or so. Yeah, against like, so that doesn't mean he's going to be a good full time replacement. That's true, especially when you're you know replacing Neymar, a very talented player who had thirty nine goals last year in the Premier League, not the Premier uh, League, La Liga. sorry, yeah, La Liga. Yeah. Well, in all competitions, I imagine. Yeah, I'm sure in all competitions. <laughs> and the other rumor is uh, that instead of a player heading from Spain to England, we have a player heading from England to Spain, uh, and that would be uh, David De Gea yeah. for the Man United goalkeeper. Uh, this has been a weird one, Matt. It's this has been a weird one. This, yeah, this has been a very weird one because out of nowhere, it's almost as if everybody forgot about it. Uh, yeah, as soon as the season kind of kicked yeah. off and he wasn't part of the side and Man United wasn't blo- like you know blowing up. Uh, it was just no quiet. Talked about yeah, it much? N- yeah, I've, no one talked about it. It was a big, huge thing about always oh, up and coming talent. He was so good, like he developed so well at Man United, and just go throw it away. Well, not really throw it away, but to you know turn your back on United like that and go to to Real Madrid, kind of kind of gutsy. Not too much of a gutsy move because he's a, he's a Spanish native. Iker Casillas is at the end of his career, um, 
and they they need a keeper, yeah. And I'm sure he'd love to go play in his native home, Spain. But uh, when you've built so much of what you've uh, so much at Man United, you should let's let's really uh, a real stab in the back to some uh, some United fans at first. But it's been a weird story because uh, De Gea has said that he's ready to commit to Man United, and yet Louis Van Gaal has been excluding him from the team. I know, yeah. So there's this weird kind of contradiction in the dialogue coming out of the two parties involved right now. Yeah. Meanwhile, Real Madrid doesn't even seem interested in De Gea. <laughs> I know, yeah. You haven't heard anything talking about them for a long so time. So what, what we have right now is a club that's not interested in a player who's not playing because his manager doesn't believe that he wants to play there when he says he does. Yeah. What is that, and how does that happen? Well, it's it's Man United, it's the British Premier League, and it's the English mm-hmm. press. You know, yeah, it's, it's 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 tough to kind of figure out. Uh, yeah, that's a tough. Thing. Tough to kind of figure out what's the truth in a story like exactly, this. Exactly, especially in European soccer. There's no limitation. There's no restrictions or penalties for falsifying information or uh, yeah. interviews and quoting and this and that, which is a shame. So you can read something. You can find articles saying one player wants to do this, and find another player saying he's going to do some. He wants to do that. Yeah, it's, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, uh, well, I think that wraps up what we, I think we want to talk about in the Premier League, Matt. Yeah. Uh, any any last thoughts on what we saw this week? What we can look forward to? Uh, you know, it's really early in the season. It's hard. To yeah, it's very early in the season. But uh, look for Tottenham and Chelsea to really do something crazy next weekend. That's what I'm thinking is going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I lost it there. Okay, sorry. All right, uh, let's move into a show that we wanted to talk about. Uh, you say it Premier League, it prem, it Premier League, it premiered last <laughs> night. Man, this has just been a rough show. Uh, you said it's pre- it premiered. I almost did it again. I almost did it again. It premiered last night. Yes. That's Fear the Walking Dead. Uh, uh, what are your initial? Are you excited for Fear the Walking Dead, or are you kind of like, okay, well, it's just a spinoff? Uh, yeah, the second I first heard about, it, I was like, oh crap! Like it's just some stupid spinoff. Just a delay. <laughs> we want to find out what's happening in this story. Yeah. Do you feel like it's just dragging out yes, The Walking definitely, Dead? Yes, definitely or? dragging out The Walking Dead. So The Walking Dead's been pretty good. Um, it started off great. Uh, five crazy seasons of pure blood and yeah, horror. And yeah, well, minus season two. That's true, yeah. So there was some good storylines at one point, but now it's just like a cycle of we go here, they ruin our lives. Next season, we go there. Now we ruin theirs kind of a thing yeah. that's going on right now it's getting into a little strange strange uh cycle here but i'm gonna i'm liking how uh okay give a little spoiler alert um morgan the character from the first season uh makes a reappearance at the very at the very last episode of last season i'm curious to see what he uh what he brings to the table yeah but let's go back to fear the walking yes. dead for a minute yeah uh because i do want to touch on the fact that they've you know there it, it is an interesting a premise yeah the premise is quite interesting how it's taking place in los angeles instead of atlanta and so it's right during when the breakout starts so what we missed following rick's story because rick is in the coma in the hospital and when he wakes up yeah. you know so the, the, yeah it's been going on for a month or so yeah the lead in to the zombie apocalypse basically exactly uh which is an interesting thing to approach but it's also interesting in that we are jumping backwards in time by a few years yeah that we're now going to be looking at a series that is you know set i think probably about i think the seasons stick pretty close to the timeline yeah so about five years previous to what we're seeing on the walking dead mm-hmm. um so i'm interested in what you think of like how do you think that ties into the walking dead in the end given this big time gap between them. So what I did, what I do like about it is the fact that it's taking place in Los Angeles. So Los Angeles means it's going to be a lot more crazy. The population is going to be a lot bigger. There's going to be a lot more things going on, a lot more uh, 
uh, commotion going on, it's going to be crazier. This is what I'm hoping. Yeah, if it's any, well, I mean, I don't think that they'll put it, I don't think they can depict what they were basically depicting in Atlanta. Yeah. Do you remember this, this, the short scenes where they were showing the napalm drops in Atlanta and so on? Yeah. I think it would be hard for them to, to, to display that up close and really show that kind of level of commotion uh, in Los Angeles, where I imagine it's very expensive to film. That's true. So, But it would be interesting if they had an unlimited budget, if they could go to New York and show what kind of commotion would be happening there yeah. and some of the survival tactics that would be taking place exactly. in, a, in a locale like that. That would be very interesting. Um, I think they will. They, they got to tie it in The Walking Dead somehow. I'm sure they will. You know, a, cer- a certain character is going to be at a base or a, some city that uh, Rick and the crew have ended up before or has been after. I'm sure the ca- yeah. maybe the characters won't cross over. I think the setting might, which would be pretty interesting. Be- yeah. And what I'm not liking about The Walking Dead is the fact that they just strayed away from storyline. I remember like the season when they find the CD, they go to the Center for Disease Control, and they find, oh, France is working on something. And just totally abolished that story. And then the whole thing with Eugene and... Uh, them trying to transport him to Washington D.C. because he has top secret information. You find out he's just a coward. They kind of just built us up and just threw it away. So yeah. I want fear if I want fear the Walking Dead to give us some, I give mean, us some hope. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> well, I said I said <laughs> that earlier. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. It was a very weak. It was a very weak spoiler. It wasn't enough for you know the rest of the podcast. I think it covered like the ten seconds after you said it. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that people forget about it when they go back to watch the show. Oh, definitely. Uh, I I am hoping. Well, first off, to address your issues with disease control and then the Eugene storyline, uh, there is no desire on the part of the creators a to expose what caused the zombie apocalypse. Yep. So that rules out any kind of resolution to the mm-hmm. Center for Disease Control storyline and what was going on in France and everything else. But also, there's the you know, there's no desire for them to really end this thing. No, right? there isn't. Yeah. So why would they actually get Eugene to Washington anytime before season twenty? Well, that's the thing. No, they're not going to let that show go on for twenty seasons. Well, I mean, they certainly have the source material to drag it out for another five, and then after that, you can just start making it up, a la Game of Thrones style. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and, like if you're if you're going to extend it, you start a spinoff series, and then you start dragging in characters from your spinoff series into the regular show. Mm-hmm. You just kind of end up amalgamating them. And hey, look what you got. You got yourself. Uh, I mean, think of, think of it this way. They can have these characters in Los Angeles, right? You introduce it to them. Mm-hmm. You have this Fear the Walking Dead prequel. Maybe that picks up another season. But in the, in the, sh- in the, in the short or long or medium term, you then introduce these characters from your spinoff show. And then you show how they got from A to B, yeah. from being in Los Angeles into Georgia kind yeah. of deal. Uh, and that's a great way to extend a series because then you have a bunch of backstory you got to fill in from when we last saw them in Los Angeles mm-hmm. to when we're seeing them in Georgia. And, you know, hypothetically, or at least it's a good idea, if you've got, you know, one of these characters that we knew when they left in L.A. missing when they get to Georgia. Ugh. Just a thought, AMC. This, yeah, this is just this is getting me angry just talking about just, this. <laughs> this so you don't, you don't want to see The Walking Dead get dragged out? Not really, no, because first of all, People are just going to start getting impatient, say it does extend it for their 10 seasons, and we're not getting any form of answers at all. People want closure, especially me. Do do people want closure, Matt? Yes. Is that really what people want? Yes. In this sequel-driven world, do people really want closure? When it's been dragged on when, for a certain is, amount of time, yes. When is the last movie that you saw 
minus straight out of Compton that had some sort of closure. You're going to say train wreck, aren't you? <laughs> I did have some good closure, actually. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but not the, not the, okay. Well, I guess in the sci-fi world or the fantasy world. That's true. Like, yeah, there is. You know, with, with a rom-com, there's some sense of. There always has to be, yeah. But in terms of the sci-fi world, yeah, that's the stuff that leaves us thinking all the time. But in that sci- same sci-fi world, we still get some answers. Right now, we've gotten. Some answers. We've gotten barely any. Well, I mean, it's in the same vein as Lost, right? True, yeah. And why why would you tell all the answers before the end anyways? It's a la Lost once again, you know? Yeah. And maybe you don't even have to answer some. Have people speculate and fill them in. Mm -hmm. That's not... Not everyone can do that. (laughs) Not everyone wants to... Speculate and fill them in? Not everyone wants to do that. Everyone wants to know what happens and just wants to have an ending. Sometimes it is... It does suck. Yeah. Uh, Like a certain sitcom we like. Um, uh, oh my god! Yeah, we'll, we'll talk. maybe we should have that discussion. Oh, yes, yeah. is, is that a conversation that you can I, have right I, now? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know if you're prepared for it. Yeah, we're talking about how right, I met your mother. We'll, in case anyone wants we'll, to know, we'll, we'll put it off until maybe we have a, a down day. Maybe after my birthday, and then we can touch on how I met your mother. Why don't we talk about it for your birthday? I don't know. Some have a good happy day, and then just I'll be ready right. for it. Anyways, yeah. Um, but yeah, the, people. In the sci-fi world, yeah, we like to see, oh, the rescuers all get away. For example, yeah. say, oh, but the alien, there's still one egg left. And then it ends. They go, oh, we like to see that. Stuff like that. Yeah. But we still want to, we still find out what happens at the end. Okay, so let's let's assume people want closure. Do they really want closure now? Or is it well, okay not now, to drag it out? Not now, but the, it's perfectly fine to drag it on as long as we're we're getting somewhere. Well, obviously, we're getting somewhere. Yeah. Did you Did you see the trailer for The Walking Dead that came out of Comic Con? Yes, it did. My God, that was so intense. It did look. It, it got me very excited for the season. Look pretty metal. Uh, I mean, do you really think that people can do? Can, do you think people can survive without Rick in The Walking Dead? And don't go too spoilery, but like, do you think that is actually possible? Like, is is he that needed as he makes himself seem? Oh, he's needed. He's he's he. He reminds me of a Walter White character from Breaking Bad. Well, you haven't, uh, you haven't gotten into Breaking Bad, right? Well, I can, yeah, but I, I, I know but you the know the basic. Of, basically, he starts. Uh, just his character yeah. has changed so much in different yeah. aspects. I mean, like just his personality, his demeanor has changed so much. And clear example of that is Rick. You know, Rick's uh, personality has been insane. Just the way it's changed so much, and yeah. he's he's a real anchor to the show. He holds down everything it's, down. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think that Rick's probably the best one to watch on the show. And it, over the years, they kind of have been kind of having him as the side perspective. Whereas in season one, he was kind of the main main guy, main perspective. He, his storyline kind of intertwines with others. Yeah. Like, they seem to focus a lot on Carl. Well, the thing is now, I think what they're trying to do is, uh, in the beginning of the season, we see Rick as a genuine sheriff, you know? Good guy, plays by the rules. And he wants, uh, the writers wants, uh, want the audience to agree with him and be on his side but now he's showing us more different sides just trying to show us that rick is not who he was before yeah and that's the technique that they're trying to get off right now sure but i mean they're telling that story what my point was basically is they're telling that story not from following rick around but kind of his relationships oh yeah showing his relationships yeah with other characters and then kind of bringing in his explosive personality afterwards you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like it seems like they if you look at, uh, you know, season four, they were more interested in talking about the relationship of machine between Michonne and Carl yeah. at times. 
uh, and how that was developing, and then Carl's, you know, escapades around, uh, and then Rick's reaction to all that mm-hmm. kind of deal. Yeah. You know, he he didn't become the main character in the series. He came kind of like the pariah of it all. Like not the pariah, but like the guy above it all. Who, yeah. when he when he interjected, it was like it made his interjections that much more crazier. That's true. Yeah, I agree. Um, no matter what side story went off, it all still revolved around Rick and somehow ended back with him. If you agree with me on that, uh, you know, I don't think a lot of the. A lot of it does, but I think yeah. that there's kind of this bubble. Yeah, of, yeah, like a bubble, you know, exactly. So, like, say Carl goes off and does something. Oh, Carl's investigating this little girl. But at the end of it, we all know that he's going to get back, and Rick's going to be like, Carl, where the hell were you? And something's going to happen yeah. from there, yeah. Not so much anymore, Carl can kind of... That's true. Yeah. yeah, no, it's true. It's true. There is definitely... But there, there's a kind of character bubbles, and you see that kind of developing out of the, the latter half of season four. Mm-hmm. where you know there's this character with this character i mean it's always been kind of that way with glenn and maggie yeah where their storyline is not really you know directly and always impacted by rick mm-hmm. that's true certainly you know in some circumstances it is when rick kind of loses his mind yeah exactly uh, and glenn's been stepping it up too i've noticed yeah glenn uh carol carol seems to be more tightly tied to rick yeah especially going forward now than anyone else mm-hmm. yeah and michonne with rick meh going forward it's gonna be interesting to see what sides you know from the trailer that you know if no one's seen it i'd go check it out it's pretty exceptional from that perspective Mm -hmm. what sides people are going to be taking uh this season yep and how that's going to impact everything my god (sighs) yep (laughs) but the fear of the walking dead uh i mean we have no real conclusion from this i mean we know what we want to and we know how the next season is kind of laying out you know early on but you know, I don't think you and I have kind of eaten too much of the walking, the Fear of the Walking Dead uh, pre stuff. Not really, no. Uh, into it, there is more. There was more trailer going into the Walking Dead than there was Fear of the Walking Dead. Did you notice that? I th- there wasn't like massive trailers that give out the plot line and everything like that, as far as I could see. Like I didn't come across any. Yeah, me either. It's kind of been like a slow. It's a kind of been like a slow rollout of this. Like we didn't even know it was on last night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what I mean, what are you hoping for in this series, this uh, this short run, uh, and leading up into The Walking Dead, but not necessarily connected to it? Um, well, I was reading reading up, and it, it's uh, five episodes are going to be for the first season, okay, and then they're going to extend it slightly for the second season. They've been uh, they've been built to do. Um, if it's going to be that short, I think you just want some teasers, some teasers, some uh, some little hints is all we want. And maybe some clever things that tie into the Walking Dead series. Well, that's... I mean, I think, think, I think of, that's what the people want. How, but think of how short season one was, and then how epic season one was. Yeah. You can you can really cover a lot of ground uh, in that short episode run. Especially an hour, if the show's an hour. Yeah, that's true. I'm wondering, what, what kind of divide do you think there's going to be between the pre... And we haven't seen the first episode, mm-hmm. but between... So it could happen in the first episode, but between like the pre-zombies and the zombies, like you know the zombies have taken over. Is this going to be like an all escaping the zombies thing? Like what? Do you, what kind of uh, timeline do, do I think we're looking at here? I'm thinking whatever happened, say this disease, say it's a disease or an infection or an invasion of some sort. Whatever happens, we're just going to see small things happening around the city and people reacting to them at, at first. Yeah, I think that's. Mostly, we're kind of get out, getting off at like pre news, pre mass news coverage and mass evacuations. I think that's what I okay. kind of want to see. Okay, mass evacuation. Just just before then, before then. Okay, all right. I'm wondering if 
when you think of like what a good season finale climax for a five episode run would be, uh, it would end with them kind of getting out Los of Los Angeles. Angeles. Yeah, just seeing it like in shambles and crap. Yeah. So you've got a few days worth of. Well, I think in the first episode you kind of have to unleash the zombies. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm sure they're going to show. Maybe they're going to play with timelines. Who knows? Show yeah. some flashbacks too, or some uh, some flash forwards. Oh, an interesting yeah, an interesting comparison between the Fear of the Walking Dead and is the Strain. Have you seen the Strain? No, I haven't seen the Strain. So it's like a vampire show. Uh, it's written by Guillermo. Yeah, well, it's produced by Guillermo del Toro off some books that he co-wrote. Oh, cool. uh, about vampires. It's a more. It's not the um, Twilight vampires. <laughs> it's more of like deadly vampires. If, well, it's more like if there were vampires, mm-hmm. what kind of biological things would they have? So it's very like there's a lot of focus on like anatomy and the morphing of their bodies and like how that would happen. And uh, stuff. Okay, okay. So the first few episodes, uh, I mean, not to spoil anything, but it's basically showing that there's like this outbreak on a plane, and then basically how does this transformation take place mm-hmm. uh, in these people's bodies, and then what happens when they're done transforming. And they're around a bunch of people. Uh, okay. Like, what? You know, what's this transformation like for them? So I'm wondering, you know, that's kind of a good... It's kind of a good template for Fear of the Walking Dead, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So there's this there's this outbreak in a controlled area, or not. Uh, you start getting reports of it happening, and then how does that impact, you know, family members and stuff as they mm-hmm. then are infected? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. It's pretty it's interesting. interesting, yeah. I- I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, definitely check it out. Well... I wasn't looking forward to it before this conversation. Uh, now, yeah, you're, now I'm a little more. In, in, uh, but now I'm a little more excited. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, people, you know, people listen to it. Nar, uh, any last thoughts on the Walking Dead or Fear the Walking Dead, Matt? Anything that you want to chip in here and uh, sign off with? Uh, n- nothing. I think we covered a lot, actually. <laughs> we did cover quite a bit. Yeah. I am looking forward to Rick's explosion. Me too. This yeah, I'm looking forward to that. See what that trailer again. is like absolutely amazing. Yeah, and I'm probably gonna watch it as soon as we get off this podcast. <laughs> Rewatch it again. To be honest, uh, anything else that you want to cover from this week in sports, TV shows, anything like that, Matt? Uh, did you want to Did you want to talk about maybe what shows you're looking forward to this fall, or do you want to save that? Yeah, sure, we can do that really quickly if you like. Uh, okay, you go first. Well, tomorrow Tosh Pinell is coming back. Okay, we're done. <laughs> we're we're done. done here. Yeah, we're gonna move right out of this. So, what's your recommended? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, you can keep talking. Oh, jeez, uh, now I'm just. Are you really that excited for I'm Tosh? Ba- well, now I've just lost my train of thought. Oh, it's so funny. Perfect. I'm so glad that that's happened. Uh, we are supposed to our plan for this week for our recommended, uh, and this is I'm talking about this within the midst of Tosh.0 because of your original recommendation for this week, uh, is that we are going to watch and review, watch or listen to, uh, and review each other's recommendations. And oh, listen! Uh, oh, I might change my recommendation then. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, you can watch it. You can listen. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. True, true. Um, but if you have to do it, <laughs> pick like the best of Lamb of God. Some death, some death metal. <laughs> Dude, I literally referenced Lamb of God today. How strange is that? <laughs> That's awesome. I was like, is this a band, Lamb of God? Does that make any sense? <laughs> Turns out it is. Then you reference it a couple hours later. Awesome. That's insane. <laughs> uh, so his... Maybe you've changed it, but your original recommendation for the week was Kenny versus Spenny. Yep, great, great local I, TV. I think, yeah. I think that and Tosh.0 would be just as painful for me to watch and have to review. Uh, I mean, I'm giving you something nice and enjoyable, so but maybe you should change. Maybe you should change your recommended. Oh, well, let's keep things but, fun. Well, what's what's your what's your recommendation? Uh, for so what is your recommendation, Matt? Kenny versus Spenny. So I have to watch Kenny versus Spenny. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, for, uh, for my fall TV shows, I just want to mention The Flash real quick. Uh, yeah, sure. I definitely would go check out season one while you still can. This is not my recommended, Matt, but like, if we're going to talk about shows that are coming on in the fall, The Flash, I think, is going to be a really good one. They're building off a really strong first season okay. that seemed to kind of be moving forward. So uh, that's a show that I'm really looking forward to this fall, and I definitely think people should check out. Mm-hmm. But my recommended for the week for you, Matt, to watch and review and for people to check out uh, in their own time is uh, Flight of the Concords HBO special. Okay, okay. Not their not their TV show. This is the difference. They did it before they did their TV show. They did an HBO special, uh, and it's absolutely hilarious. It has some. I can pretty much quote most of the songs that are played during it, uh, such as Jenny, uh, "I'll Be the Racist Dragon," uh, and amongst a few others. So you should definitely check that out. Uh, you probably can find it on YouTube. Definitely, if you can find like random clips from it. Uh, but check that out once you can, and I think it's gonna. I think you're gonna enjoy it, Matt. All right. I think I think you'll laugh. Yeah. Flight of the Concords like, is pretty amazing. funny. Yeah, there's a funny guys. amazing band. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to touch on this week, Matt, or do you want to wrap it up here? Yeah, I think we're good to go. All right. Any last words? No, none for me. The usual goodbye. Perfect. Thanks. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, follow us 60 second timeout on Twitter. Yeah. Six zero second timeout. You can check out Matt's tweets from when his team got absolutely crushed. Yeah. Uh, you can't well see me cry, but, things. uh, whatever. I want to give a shout out to the 150 people that listened last week yeah. to, in the United States uh, and all those listening in Germany and Latvia. in switzerland and everywhere else we had a ton of listens last week uh didn't really want to make light of that but it was pretty cool we're pretty stoked on that (laughs) anyways uh lost cousins please take us out good night germany well the people in the struggle they will all end up in the ground yeah the fathers and their sisters they will all be buried in the ground the ground.